calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hi, welcome back to Conference Live, CFA Institute's live coverage of its 71st annual conference here in Hong Kong. I'm Jason Voss, Content Director for CFA Institute. Joining me here at the Conference Live studio is Jane Hyun. Uh, Jane has a, a wonderful background for the subject we're going to be discussing today. She's the founder and president of Hyun and Associates. And what exactly is that? It's a leadership uh, strategy firm, and she also works as an executive coach. Jane, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, likewise. I, I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. Um, this is one of my topics near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've worked in investment management for many years, and I think that we do, a, as an industry, a very bad job of recruiting. So mm. I, I have lots of questions <laughs> about and Wonderful. It, it goes both directions, right? How yeah. to recruit and also how to make yourself a more candidate, uh, compelling candidate. So to begin, talk to us about cultural fluency. We're doing this from Hong Kong. Many of our viewers are joining us from around the world. Um, why is cultural uh, fluency important? Why do you believe it's uh, something that's critical? Yeah, yeah. So cultural fluency is a skill, uh, and it's the ability to uh, recognize and deeply understand differences uh, in the way people communicate and different styles and knowing how to adapt to those differences. And so um, it goes beyond uh, what people look like, what countries they're from, and uh, what you assume they are. And so it also recognizes that uh, we all have a culture and we all have a default mode of operating. And unless we really understand what that is, uh, which is really the lens through which we see the world and how we see business problems and how we see talent and all that, um, until we really start to see that, uh, we can't really navigate those differences uh, in the best way. So, so that's, that's a topic that uh, we're talking about today and I'm glad you're interested in talking about it. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. So you mentioned default. Uh, ways of operating, default yeah. ways of seeing the world, and default fluencies. That's an interesting point. Actually, yeah. how do we go about identifying it? That's, that's going to be very difficult. In my experience, not too many people are introspective. A lot of hiring managers are looking for a resume and a skill set, not necessarily an individual. How do you unpack that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think most hiring managers don't know what to look for, right? And so I don't think they know how to look for cultural fluency, and I don't think it's necessarily a skill that uh, has made it to the top of these competencies that people look for when hiring, isn't it? Sure. Um, but um, as far as how do you start to recognize it, I think a couple things. Um, I think just observation and curiosity is, is a start. Um, maybe even beginning with yourself, you know, being aware of uh, how do you like to communicate when you have a difficult situation, what do you typically like to do? Um, how do you communicate that conflict with the other person? These are all kind of what I call deeply embedded in us uh, yeah. from a very early age. And it's not something that uh, we always learn how to do in a different way unless we intentionally figure out how to do that. So um, I think cultural fluency is something that has to be really intentional. It's not something that's taught in our schools necessarily. Right, sure. Uh, unless you are in a very progressive intercultural global studies program. And even so, uh, I think you really need to practice it. So even if you learn it academically, it doesn't mean that you really know how to navigate that in the real world. So obviously the most uh, the, the cultural fluency that's most obvious is country and geography, right? Yeah. Finance pros very frequently, as you know, get recruited and then they're immediately sent overseas and sometimes they've never spent time necessarily there. So what are some of the cultural fluency factors based on geography or maybe classic culture, right? There's classically a divide between West and East. What are some of these things mm -hmm. that 
uh, finance pros should be aware of in terms of cultural fluency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I mean, just to reiterate what you said, I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Just um, expats or um, high potentials that succeed in one country are identified and groomed and said, okay, now we're gonna send you over to you know, Argentina or China or Europe or, or actually from those countries to the US sure, or sure. Other, other parts of the world. So um, I don't always think that they're prepared to go to that other country. I think perhaps they're really good at what they do and really good at investment, investing and or um, doing their job in their country of origin. But when it comes to going into another country, it's, it's a whole nother skill set. Yeah. Uh, it's another, Tool, uh, toolkit, and uh, different set of communication behaviors that you need to learn. So, so are there any, I think like, that's that's definitely something I see. Yeah, something yeah. you see. Are there like two, three tips to be concerned of? Like yeah. if if you're traditionally raised say, in Korea or Japan yeah, yeah, or China, yeah. and you're heading to London, some things to be aware of, and maybe right. vice versa. If you're yeah, from London, yeah, yeah. you know what should we be aware of? You know, we're in Hong Kong, so I think um, we could talk about a couple things. But I think one of the biggest differences that I see kind of when you look compared to the West, like let's say the UK, uh, Canada, North America, US, compared to let's say countries like Hong Kong, China, Korea, Japan, um, uh, all these countries out here, um, is there's, there's sort of, uh, I think in the, uh, the Asian cultures, there's definitely a, a high context way of communicating that sometimes people who grew up in very direct communicating cultures like the West miss. Right. And so the whole concept of what silence means. Sure. Uh, it actually has meaning. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean they don't know anything. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything, right? Right, sure. And so even a, a very simple thing is that. Um, and then, of course, all, all the nonverbal elements. Sure, uh, sure. Who's in the room, uh, being cognizant of status differences, and, and who's in a meeting, and, and who's supposed to be there. So I think those are the kind of common things that I see. Um, and so also that's some the, the Londoner coming, coming east. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. about the east? <laughs> the people east yeah. going west? Well, that's west. the opposite, right? Yeah, yeah, so, sure. And I do global work, so uh, if you're working with a global company, we have to work with both sides. And uh, I, actually, this is an interesting thing. Sometimes, you know, I still get this. You know, I'll get, let's say, an American kind of large Fortune 500 company say, well, you know, we've acquired these organizations. They're sitting in Latin America or Asia or Europe, and we need to make sure that they come up to speed with how we do things around here. So can you just go and kind of do that with them? Um, Snap your fingers and, and work some know, magic. You I, know, I, I would caution them about that because if you're kind of allowing that to happen, but you're not really thinking about what are you adjusting and what do you need to kind of build the awareness around the people who are here uh, that don't know anything about that perspective, there's a huge part of it that's missing. Uh, I really think you need to have mutual adaptability to have success uh, sure. as well. So anyway, going back to your original question. So if you... Um, if I were coaching or working with folks in Asia, let's say and they're working with um, Americans, um, people from the West, um, I think the biggest thing there is um, to be aware that the way that you have communicated and have been effective here may not always be heard in the same way over there. Sure. And that, that you may need to amplify your message sometimes uh, because you are used to communicating with, uh, with people locally as well. So I think that's one thing to be cognizant of. And that, let's say, direct communication is, is acceptable um, and understanding some of that as well. And perhaps the awareness that this high context communication that you're aware of, um, that, that you're, you've been raised with and you're very keen and sensitive to, it may not be in your other counterparts. Right, sure. So they may be saying and doing things and you don't know why. It may not mean anything, right? <laughs> right? Um, and so to be cognizant of that filter as well. So, so uh, I, I, I do believe that there needs to be some due diligence of sorts on both sides. 
uh, if you're going to have a longer-term work relationship. I remember I was in graduate business school, uh, a part of my, you know, classically put into groups, of course, and I had two folks from uh, Southeast Asia, one from mm. Korea, one from Thailand, and it made all the difference in the world mm. for me to learn uh, Virapong Loha Visa Vopanich, which was the gentleman from Thailand's name. Everybody else called him Ting, <laughs> right? <laughs> and like that made all the difference, and he finally became a participant in the group because yeah. he felt accepted. So it's, you know. Oh, great. Yeah, the high great. context for him was he was by identifying himself as Ting as sort of yep. a nod from his culture to be gentle with our culture. And in a certain way, I think he probably didn't feel accepted yep. and whatever. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think you, you pose another point which I thought about yeah. is relationships. Yeah, know? sure. I think in this part of the world, um, it's not as individualistic as some of the Western countries. And so relationships are a big thing. And you need to understand how to build those relationships here as well. So, And it may not work the same way. I think the U.S., I, I, I live in the U.S., and so I think people take for granted that if you just call someone up to ask a question, people will just help you. Yeah. Right? It doesn't always work that way here. Yeah. And so you have to know where to go, who to go to, and make sure that you understand the rules of the road there. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so what are some yeah. of the skills that you believe are necessary? Um, you do more than just the cultural fluency, but you do executive coaching in general. What are some of the skills you believe are necessary to succeed as a finance pro right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by um, right now, I don't mean right now, this moment, <laughs> but like, say, it's, it's evolving, the business. Yeah. It, to me, my perception is it's more global. Um, some of the concerns are quite different. Like, what are the skills... If I'm looking five, ten years out, that I should be developing right now in order to compete. Yeah, that's a great question. And when I do coaching, actually, I try to in incorporate some of this cultural fluency piece into any leadership coaching that I do because it's inevitable. You know, it's it's, it's such a uh, fundamental framework that that I operate from. So I think one feedback that I would give, or or coaching advice that I might give to someone starting out or or, or moving in their careers, is to um, really focus on um, understanding yourself. Uh, and having a real awareness of that uh, in an accurate way, not just sure. kind of how you're doing on your how you think you're doing. Um, and if you're not getting the right feedback about how you're doing, try to find out. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think people are afraid to give you the real rap on you. Right. Um, uh, but there are ways to find out. You can ask people, you can solicit it, you can keep probing, and, and, and you can get that information. So, for example, if someone tells you, ah, oh, you're doing fine, or keep doing what you're doing, that's really not helpful. Right, right? no, not <laughs> at all. Keep doing what, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I would say, oh, you know, I know it sounds like you're happy with my work, but I really want to know, um, I always want to improve, is there anything I could do differently in this analysis that I put together? Right. Um, you know, just getting a little bit of that information um, is helpful. Um, and then, of course, you know, as you, as you manage others and as you work with others, uh, knowing how to give feedback, um, how to do so in a way that motivates people versus repel them <laughs> right, and sure. want to do more work with you, right? Yeah. And, and and continue to build that uh, working relationship. So I think that's one piece of feedback that I would give that you need to kind of know how you're doing. Um, and I know if they're managing a fund or something, you have that, those numbers pretty clearly, but think also with people. How do you, how do you land with them? Uh, how do people perceive you and how do you continue to improve that relationship too? So, so far my questions have primarily been about skills at the individual level, right? But in this world, yeah. right, where many people do business in teams, very rare is the solo artist that's super expert. Yeah. Talk to us about some of the skills that uh, you should be aware of and how to balance teams and recruit for a great team, yes. if, if you would. That is a superb question. And um, and something we're going to talk about today, actually, in the session in about an hour or so. Yes. Um, I think team dynamics is very different than just an individual working with a manager or boss and um, working one-on-one yeah, -on -one with that person. I think team dynamics changes everything. And um, if you're the team leader, 
I think it's important that you develop individualized relationships with those team members and not just depend on one person to be kind of your go-to. Sure. Um, because each person may be different. If you have a multicultural team, I think it's even more important that you understand people's cultural preferences and communication styles because um, you want to motivate them in the best way. Sure. You know? uh, and if you're a team member, uh, I think then it's, it's important for each person in that room to understand how people work together as well so that you can get the best ideas on the table um, and work together to, to create a better solution. So real quickly, we're almost out of time. Uh, what are some of the bullet points from your session a little later yeah. today? Yeah, I think I'm going to start with um, talking about the business case, you know, why diversity of thought and uh, these cultural skills, intercultural skills help a business. How do you uh, get better ideas from it? Uh, and how do you engage it. So that's going to be kind of the first start. And then we're going to talk about what are the dimensions of difference we need to understand. And so there's many of them. We're going to cover maybe two or three that sure. I think are pretty important in the business world. Um, and then we'll start to kind of um, allow them to kind of communicate that uh, and, and see it for themselves and give examples of how that plays out. Well, wonderful. And, uh, Thank you so much for coming, yeah. Jane. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks if you for would having like, me here. Yeah, you bet. If you would like to see the full uh, entirety of Jane's presentation, it's going to be archived ultimately on CFA Institute's website. Copyright 2018, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.